This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 219, and we are recording on February 18th. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot, and I am literally here with Amanda <laughs> Nelson. I am. The call is coming from inside the house. Can you tell that she's in my guest room? She's one floor below me. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's very exciting, uh, although we still have to, like, pretend like we're not. I mean, we're not in the same room. It's still weird, but that's okay. It's fun. It's fun. Um, so welcome to the show. It's going to be interesting. We'll see how this goes. Uh, if this is the first time you are tuning in, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations, which means you send in questions about what you should read next, what your book club should read, what you should get for a friend or a relative, any and all of those things, and tell us what you like, and we will do our best to find you your next great read. You can send those in either via the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for every episode, or you can send them through email. It's getbooked at bookriot.com. And if you have a time-sensitive request, please do make sure to put time-sensitive either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form. Let us know when you're hoping to hear back by. We will do our best. If we're not going to get to it on the air, we might email you. So keep an eye out for those. Oh, and we have another insider fast track question today, which if you didn't know, if you sign up for our exclusive membership program, uh, Book Riot Insider, Insiders, you can get your question fast-tracked. So that's insiders.bookriot.com. Check it out. And this is from Heather, who says, last year I read all the Tamara Pierce books, and I loved them, and I'm currently reading Novice Dragoneer and also enjoying it. Can you recommend me a good comp for Tamara Pierce? I've listened to all the Get Back get booked episodes so something that's never been recommended would be awesome also bonus points for a series or multiple books i read through the tamara books so fast all right so first we will do a sponsor today's episode is brought to you by sourcebooks landmark so king solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies and that is quote don't let the white man take the house end quote these, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. 
So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone. But, you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done at she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now, he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. And now we will talk about Tamara Pierce Comps. Amanda. I'm going to talk about Graceling because we've somehow never talked about Graceling on this show before in shocking, the years shocking. that we've been doing. How is that possible? I don't believe it. I don't I was know. Looking, I mean, yeah. I believe it because you keep meticulous records of every book that we talk about on the show. <laughs> but I was still like, how, how, just how? Probably because people call us asking for recommendations for Graceling comps as mm-hmm. opposed to the other one. So anyway, Graceling is what I'm recommending to you uh, by Kristen Kishore. I almost feel like I don't even have to explain what it is, but I will. So this came out in 2008, and I feel like it was, you know, hot on the heels of like the Hunger Games when we were deep in YA land about like strong female assassins, which is a thing that I super love and feels very Tamora Pierce adjacent because she writes a lot about like very physical female characters who go out and like have adventures and do the thing. Um, so Graceling is about a girl named Katza who in this universe, when you're born with two different colored eyes, it means that you have some kind of like supernatural gift. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural, but like it can be anything. It can be like you can hold your breath forever, something like totally useless. Or it can be like Katza's gift, which is to kill people with a touch. Like she's just a really good combatant and soldier and assassin. And so this is the thing that she's graced with. And she has been taken by the king of this universe, who is also her uncle, to be his like personal assassin. And she hates it. She hates it. And the older she gets, the more she hates it. And the more she struggles with like the ethics of it. And she doesn't know how to get out of it. Because like, how do you how do you get out of that when that's what your whole, you know, kingdom and governance is is built around? She doesn't know how to escape. And then she meets a very like, kind-hearted normal named Poe. He's like a prince from a neighboring kingdom. He turns out to not be like a total normal. He is also graced. And then the two of them discover some like political secrets. There's a lot of adventuring um, and, you know, death-defying daring do. But it is, it, it's like very proto-feminist. It, not proto-feminist in as much as like the feminism isn't evolved, but in as much as like this is a very young girl who is discovering her version of feminism. And like the more that she falls in love with this prince, the more she gets concerned. She becomes concerned about like, if I decide to be with him, am I going to have to be royalty and therefore like lose the ability to do whatever I want? Because I'm 100% not willing to do that. Also, I'm not having babies. I'm just not going to do that. So like all of that is very refreshing and to read um, and feels like something to more appears to be like, yes, I appreciate this character. This is what my characters would be like if they were like five years older. So I think it's a good, you know, age bump up. So that's Graceling by Kristen Kishore. 
Hard Cosine. I absolutely love all of the books in that series. You should read all three of them, especially because they're all very different types of girls, which is just the best. Like there's not only one type of girl in this universe who gets to be a hero. There's other types and that's really lovely. It's, you know, Tamara Pierstrak's are like comps are tricky. It feels tricky to me. I had a hard time nailing it down, but I'm going with Patricia McKillop. So that's an author, obviously, not a book. But I picked out her uh, Riddle Master of Head series as the starting place that I think would work best for somebody who really wants more of the Tamara Pierce style medieval high fantasy. The first book is The Riddle Master of Head, H-E-D. And... There is a dude main character in this, but like, bear with me because there's very important women in this series and then in her books as a whole. And it takes place in this like very medieval-y kind of world. And Morgan, the main character, has gone to like bard school where he learns a lot of riddles. And once upon a time, there was magic, but now that all magic is gone and nobody knows and all of that's left are these riddles. So he actually learns like all of the riddles and gets so good at it that he wins a contest with the ghost and like gets a crown and like doesn't know what to do with himself and has to go on this epic quest, um, fleeing, you know, these enemies, these supernatural enemies that are coming for him. And the girl that he has been betrothed to since forever, like very happily betrothed to, ends up playing a huge role in the series and is like an amazing character. And everybody in these books are like, they're my cinnamon rolls. <laughs> like they're my cinnamon roll characters. I love them so much. I'm so attached to them. And it just, the series just gets better and better. It's so like, ooh, it's so atmospheric. You really feel like you're in the world. And that's what I was thinking of when I was reading this question was like, okay, if you want to like experience that sort of lived in high fantasy world that also has, you know, like different kinds of people and values that we value also. Uh, this feels like that kind of reading experience. And then she's written a ton of standalone books that also take place in very similar-ish worlds. And her book, The Forgotten Beasts of Eld, actually, I think, is a really solid comp for the second Graceling book, which is called Fire. So I think these all complement each other, is what I'm saying. So again, that is the Riddle Master series by Patricia McKillop. And really, you should just read all of her stuff. All right. Our next question is from Brooke, who says, I will be traveling throughout Oregon in 2020 and would love to prepare by reading some books that take place mostly in Oregon. I love all genres, so feel free to go wild. Okay. I went kind of wild <laughs> with this one. This book is a trip. I picked The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt, which comes with many trigger warnings, lots of violence. It's just super violent. It's a Western. There's also harm to a bunch of animals, uh, especially a horse with like one really memorable scene that I'm never going to get out of my head, but it's fine. It's worth it. The book is amazing. Um, so it, this is about the Sisters Brothers, like two brothers whose last name is sisters so there's a dude named Ker uh, herman who has been uh, has like a hit put out on him by this very powerful wealthy like gangster basically in the west called the commodore and the commodore's two henchmen are eli and charlie sisters so he sends them out to like do his bidding um it takes it opens in oregon city uh and so that's what they do like they are assassins for hire um it's very uh it's kind of like a western with a with a humorous twist like they're very self-aware these two characters um and so they get this assignment to go find herman warm uh, because the commodore has told them to do that and on the way they're traveling from oregon city to where warm lives in his gold mining claim which is outside sacramento and eli one of the brothers begins to be like you know 
I'm kind of tired of this life. Like all we do is fight and get into trouble. And I would like to maybe have like a family one day and to not be shot at all the time. And I'm sleepy and I'm kind of tired of this. And so he's trying to convince his brother, Charlie, to settle down and maybe, you know, like, let's make this our last hurrah. We'll go and we'll complete this job and then we can go home back to our homestead and maybe try something new. And his brother's like not here for it. Um, so they, they get into these like hilarious petty arguments along the way while they're also defending their lives from people who are like showing up to, you know, reap vengeance on them for past injustices and just, like, stuff like that. And so they're, like, very ne'er-do-well kind of characters. They do eventually make it to uh, Herman Warm's claim, and the, what they find there helps them to understand why the hit has been put on this guy, but it's they, they're suddenly realizing, like, oh, maybe this is not something that we want to execute. Ha-ha. <laughs> Maybe this job is not something we want to execute um, because of what they discover when they get to the claim. Um, so I picked the, I mean, it does take place mostly in Oregon. There are also, of course, bits when they travel out of Oregon down to California to, to do the job. Uh, but it's just real funny. Like their, their bouts of melancholy about their lives and their bouts of like questioning the ethics of what they're doing while they're in the middle of like murdering someone. It sounds like it shouldn't be funny, right? But it's, hilarious and you feel some feelings about it the whole time like i should not be laughing at this but that is so funny if you like black humor i think this is going to be 100 percent up your alley also there's a movie which i have not seen but i've heard great things about so that's the sisters brothers by patrick dewitt cosine just all of that <laughs> everything that you just said cosine uh i picked the lathe of heaven by ursula Le Guin because it takes place in a sort of alternate future portland and uh, the scenery and landscape of Portland is absolutely a part of this book. Like, it's baked into its DNA in my memory of it, which is kind of cool. Like, Mount Hood is, like, very much a feature. But it's also, you know, sort of an urban sci-fi story. So it follows a man named George Orr who lives in, like, a version of our world that's not so unbelievable. Like, there's a lot of violence, environmental catastrophes, you know, there's a lot of poverty and drug use. And he is being increasingly convinced that his dreams can alter reality. But he's also, like, taking a lot of drugs to prevent himself some sleep from sleeping. So, like, is he hallucinating? Can he actually change reality with his dreams? Like, how is this happening? And he ends up being ordered to go to therapy by, you know, this government bureaucrat woman who's amazing, by the way, becomes the main character. And uh, so he has to go to therapy. And so he goes to this therapist who discovers that, like, nope, this guy actually can change reality with his dreams. And now this therapist who's, like, putting him under can suggest things to him and like who will use their powers for good and who will use their powers not for good is a real question and also like what does it mean to manipulate dreams what is like the dream state like how does it interact with the real world are there aliens like there's so many different questions going on and the book is very sort of surreal because of obviously the content but it's so it's such an interesting premise and the characters are so beautifully drawn and the scene like I said, it really does feel so tied to play 
pace in the way that uh, George moves through his waking and unwaking life. And so, uh, yeah, I just think that this would be a fun one to read before going to Portland in particular. So that is The Lathe of Heaven by Ursula Le Guin. Our next question is from Ada, who is 10 yes. years old. Is this our youngest yes, asker I ever? So. Maybe. Yes. Love it. Uh, who says, I really like books with lots of suspense and where you just can't stop turning page after page. Usually realistic fiction or mystery. For example, The Tale of Despero, The Marvelous Journey of Edward Tulane, Just Under the Clouds, and The Wild Robot. I would like more books like that. Amazing. Amanda, <laughs> what do you have for Ada? Okay, I picked Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kwame Mumbalia, which I think you seem to really enjoy adv adventure stories. And this is such an adventure. Um, it is from Rick Riordan's uh, publishing imprint, which puts out just the most fun middle grade adventures. And this is about a seventh grader named Tristan, who when the book opens, he's in a bit of a funk. Not a funk. He's, he's depressed. He's having a hard time. His best friend um, has just died. They were in a bus accident and his best friend has died. His best friend named Eddie left him his journal. There's something weird about the journal, though. Like, it glows at night, which is questionable. <laughs> and he's not opened it to read anything that's in it because, you know, it glows at night. And that's that makes him not want to touch it. Um, and so he's got that. And he's dealing with his sadness about his friend uh, dying. And so his family decides to send him to his grandparents' farm in Alabama for a month during the summer where he can, like, kind of get himself back together, uh, maybe read the journal, try some writing, like, you know, try to feel better about what's going on. Uh, but the first night he's there, this, like, weird doll creature that leaks sap shows up in his bedroom and steals the journal and tristan goes off on this chase through the alabama countryside comes to a bottle tree which is a tree that's hanging with like glass bottles that are designed to catch like you know evil spirits and try in the process of trying to get the journal back from this weird creature he punches a hole in the tree and they fall through this void into this like other world this like mid path they call it the mid pass which is a, a you know a place between our reality and this like place where magical mystical mythological creatures reside and so he goes on this adventure of trying to get out of the mid pass get home get the journal back and while he's down there he realizes that he has found himself in the middle of this battle between um black american gods like john henry and Br'er rabbit um, and some uh, villains that live in the mid pass and so he gets involved in this adventure to try to kind of trick the god anansi to seal that hole in the sky so he can get back home. So as you can tell, it is a, a story based on West African and Black American mythology. And he has such a like life-changing adventure full of all these like amazing characters. And it is, you said that you like mysteries. There is that mystery of like, what is this journal and why is it glowing? And what does it have to do with the situation that Tristan finds himself in? So super, super fun. Really quick read. So that's Tristan Strong, Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kwame Mbalia. I also have a book that is like a contemporary adventure with magic and actually a little bit of science fiction. It's Dragons in a Bag by Zeta <laughs> Elliott. Such a good title. First in a series. The second one is out. If you like it, there's more. And it is about a little boy named Jackson who his mother has to go to court. So she needs to find a babysitter and she leaves him with this like very cranky older woman that she calls Ma. And so he's like, is this my grandma? She's not. But what she is, is a witch. And she has some baby dragons and a little mint tin that she needs to get to a magical world because there's not enough magic left in our world for them to be safe. 
And so she's not happy about having, you know, this kid tagging along with her. He is not happy about this cranky old lady, but he's very curious and excited about the dragons because who wouldn't be? Right. (laughs) And he ends up going on this adventure, which ends up including like time travel and dinosaurs. And, you know, they go to Prospect Park to get to a magical portal. And there's, you know, he he's like, Jackson is really good at geography and science. And that ends up being important to the story. And it ends on a total cliffhanger which is super fun and there's just great characters i definitely was like what is gonna happen next i was definitely turning the pages and i just loved it the characters are so much fun the story is so much fun and i have not experienced that big of a cliffhanger in a chapter book before which i think is really brave and interesting and so i'm very excited to read the next one so again that is dragons in a bag by zita elliott I'm never going to get over that title. That's such a good title. It's so good. It's so good. Dragons in a bag. Like, I want that to be a band. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. So our next question is from Anonymous, who says, I'm an asexual woman with a crush on my male best friend. Can you recommend a good friends to lovers read that is not all about sex? The characters do not need to be asexual, but I prefer more of a slow burn where sex is only at the end of it, if at all. Okay. Um, I'm taking a bit of a risk with this one because my recommendation is a... Spoiler? Like, because of the way the question is worded, it's a spoiler. So if you are, like, very anti-spoiler, skip ahead. Okay, warning given. Here we go. So my recommendation is Tash Hart's Tolstoy by Catherine Ormsby, which does have a trickle warning for phobia. And this is YA, and I love this book so much. So it is obviously about a girl named Tash, who is a vlogger, and she is making a modern adaptation on YouTube of Anna Karenina. She's, like, obsessed with Tolstoy, because who is it? Uh, you can tell why I love this so much, right? Like, I don't really have to continue. And she gets called out by another vlogger who has, like, millions of followers and finds herself going viral. And her web series is called Unhappy Families, where she's, like, you know, she's a filmmaker remaking this story. Um, and so she suddenly finds herself, like, thrust into this limelight. She's got, like, 40,000 new subscribers. So there's a lot of pressure, especially because it gets nominated for a, what they call in the book a golden tuba, which is, like, a YouTube award or whatever. Um, and she realizes that she is going to, once she goes to the show, to, like, you know, go to this award show, she's going to meet Tom Kauser, who is another award nominee, another big YouTuber who she has been like flirting with, like having this like cyber flirtation with for a while. She's developed this huge crush on him and she wants to meet him at this award show and have it turn into something romantic between the two of them. I mean, it's already romantic, but like turn into something more substantial than a cyber flirtation. But she doesn't know how she's going to tell him that she is asexual or like how that's going to come up or like if it does come up, how do I say it? Like that whole thing. Um, and so she wants to enjoy this like newfound fame that she has, but her there's it's like further complicated by her friends having some kind of weird feelings about it. Also, her best friend's brother maybe has feelings for her. There's like a history there that you kind of that like unfolds before you as you're reading the book. He is a friend. So if you're remembering how the question was, you can kind of see where that's going. Um, right. Uh, so the thing with Tom maybe doesn't turn out. Anyway, I'm not going to keep talking because it's just more spoilers. It's so sweet. Like, it's just a really sweet and lovely. It's very, very slow burning because she has feelings for someone else from the jump. Um, and I love this whole conceit of, like, a teenager being so obsessed with Tolstoy that they do a web series retelling it in a modern way. This is what I want. Why does this not exist in real life? Someone please go make So that is Tash Hart's Tolstoy by Catherine Ormsby. Amanda has demands. I request it strongly. (laughs) Strong request from the internet. Dear internet. (laughs) 
Uh, I picked Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn, which is so good, y'all. It's just so good. I think it's technically new adult because Alice is in college. And the book opens with her girlfriend dumping her because she's asexual. And it's rough. Like, it's really rough because this girl just says all of the misguided, you know, aphobic things that you can imagine to Alice. And Alice is just wrecked. And this is not the first time this has happened to Alice. And so she's just like... I give up. Like, I am not going to date ever again. I just, and, and she's still not technically out to even like her good friend. I mean, her good friends know, but she doesn't, she's not comfortable with the word asexual yet. Like, she's really, she knows what she is, but she doesn't like the words. She doesn't like the labels. And she really hates how people respond to her when they find out. So she's just like, I'm not just, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to do anything about this anymore. Like I'm done. And then she gets a summer job working at a library and she meets her new coworker whose name is Takumi and he is gorgeous and like blows up her like cute meter, which she has, which is amazing. I love her cute meter. And she also experiences some feelings she's never experienced before, which is confusing and weird and stressful for her. And so she finds a good counselor and starts trying to figure out like, what do her feelings mean? What feelings like are just fleeting and more about physicality than about emotional things and like trying to figure out like, is she, can she put herself out there again? And they do develop this great friendship and it's so much fun and it's so lovely. And also she's dealing with a bunch of other things. Her family want her to become a lawyer. She's super not interested in that. And so she's dealing with all of these parental expectations. She's also like a young black queen woman who is interacting with the world in ways that are really hard. And she is also struggling because her two best friends who she lives with now are getting married and she's feeling increasingly like a third wheel. So there's a lot going on in this book. And I really love how Khan digs into the emotional content surrounding just all of this. Like it's not just about how do you deal with being asexual in a relationship? It's about, you know, the full 360 view of Alice's life, which is just the best. Like, it's the best. I love it. I love it. Um, and I was just so, like, on the edge of my seat at the end of this book, like, waiting to see how it was all going to turn out. It was very satisfying. So, again, that's Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn. And now it is time for another sponsor. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. 
it kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the Critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so question five is from Dana, who says, My boyfriend of two years recently graduated and was asked by the company he works for to move to another state. I'm stuck in one spot because I'm finishing my college degree and have decided to pursue my master's. I'm determined to believe that love prevails and that no matter what anyone says, I'm not naive for putting so much hope into what will be a long-distance relationship of several years. I'd love some recommendations for new adult books about long-distance relationships. They can be sweet or angsty. What matters to me is a relationship that feels passionate and true and a story that seems realistic, like something I could believe in for myself. Amanda, what you got? Okay, I picked The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory, which is not new adult but is not like they're still pretty young they're they're both pretty like new in their careers um so this is long distance it's all in california but california is a big state so you know uh it is long distance um alexa is the main character and drew uh meet in an elevator they get stuck in an elevator together in a hotel uh drew is in town in berkeley i think it is is where alexa lives drew is in town for a wedding and alexa is uh lives there and is visiting her sister uh in a hotel room and Drew convinces her somehow. It makes sense when you read it because he's very charming. He convinces her somehow, this this like stranger who he's never met before and is stuck in an elevator with, to, to be his date to a wedding. The wedding that he's going to is between his best friend and his ex-girlfriend. So he deeply wants to like have a date when he goes to this wedding for obvious reasons because that's all super awkward um and she agrees because he's cute and he's a doctor and he's cute did i mention he's cute so like (laughs) sure why not uh so she goes she goes she goes to this wedding um and it's very much like i'm here i'm gonna do this thing with this guy who doesn't even live in my my town so it's gonna be like a fun adventure i'm never gonna see him again except of course they have a really deep connection they're both very attracted to each other it's very very steamy the chemistry is very steamy um and they realize that, like, this could be a thing, you know, like, this could be a thing. So he has to go home. He's a pediatric surgeon and he lives in L.A. So he flies back to L.A. And um, Alexa is a – she's in politics. She, she's, like, I think – she's the chief of staff for the mayor of Berkeley or something like that. So she's obviously, like, not going to go move, <laughs> you know, to L.A. to be with this dude she doesn't know. So for the majority of the book, they are flying back and forth. And it's long distance. The thing that I appreciated about their um, relationship, the long distance nature of it, is that she does talk about – 
the cost. Like there, there is a discussion about the real financial implications of having to fly back and forth. Um, even when, you know, one of the members of the relationship, Drew, is pretty financially stable. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon. So like he's got money, but she refuses to like, take his money so she's flying on miles for a lot of it they're both uh, very busy and as a graduate student i'm sure you're going to be able to relate to this they both have very high powered and demanding careers so it's not just a question of financial cost it's also time like how do i make time when we both have these um projects that we're working on and things that that are pulling us in all these different directions but this is like a relationship we really want to invest in um and because it's so new they're both very like oh i don't know but we're gonna do it because like i want to bone that so we're gonna go ahead and yeah (laughs) um yeah and it's just real sweet like i really like this book so that's the wedding date by jasmine guillory I picked Play It Again by Aiden Wayne, which actually also has two asexual characters in it. So to our asker who wanted more of that, um, one of whom is sex repulsed and one of whom is not. And Play It Again is about David and Sam. Sam, get it. Um, and <laughs> they are both sort of YouTubers. Um, David is blind and his channel is like, basically restaurant reviews and also just things he's interested in talking about. But like, he's a foodie. He lives in Seattle. He is, you know, went viral years ago and has made a whole career out of having this very successful YouTube series. He lives with his sister, who's also his producer and camera person. And, you know, they have a really lovely relationship. And she's super into gaming. And she discovers this Irish gamer who does, you know, video game walkthroughs called Play It Again, Sam. And she like sends it to David just as like a, you should check this out. And he loves the video so much that he decides to talk about it on his YouTube channel. But this, you know, video gamer has like maybe like 400 followers kind of thing. And David has so many more. So he blows up this guy's channel. Like suddenly, you know, all of these people are subscribing and checking it out. And he's like, oh, what did I do? So he sends him a DM being like, hey, sorry about that. Like, I'm not sure you wanted this, but now you have it. And like, hi. And they start to have this really lovely back and forth, you know, correspondence that then turns into phone calls. And it starts with, you know, David is very attracted to Sam's personality and his voice and all of these things. Um, but also he like genuinely is like, oh, I kind of blew up this guy's spot. So like, let me offer help. Like I know how to navigate this internet popularity world. Like maybe he would like some pointers. And Sam in the meantime is like, I just kind of do this for fun, but like you seem nice. Let's talk. Like they just, they're so sweet. And Sam is such an amazing character. Oh my gosh. Love him so much. And uh, like this book made me wish that I could watch both of these characters' YouTube channels immediately. Like I would need to see these things. Um, and, and they do struggle with the long distance. Sam lives in Ireland. And then there's also, you know, Sam has some family stuff that he doesn't realize. So his self-esteem is kind of terrible. Like he doesn't know why this amazing, you know, YouTube star is taking an interest in him. And, you know, is very like, oh, like, am I worthy of attention? All of these people who are now, you know, watching and liking my videos, like, I don't understand why anybody likes me. And you're just like, oh, gosh, sweetheart, like, you deserve better. (laughs) And he gets better because this is a romance and everybody gets a happy ending. My one quip with this story is that it gets like a little too into the nitty gritty of navigating YouTube and like taxes and like freelance income. And you're like, okay, like 
it's fine. We don't need actually that much detail. So there are sections that I confess I skimmed a little bit because I just didn't care. But it doesn't like their relationship unfolds so beautifully. And the very specific ways that they deal with being in a long distance relationship, I was like, this is beautiful. Also, I would not have thought of that. So I feel like this might give you some ideas as to how to like, you know, feel connected even when you're very far apart. And especially like if there's a time zone difference, like Seattle to Ireland is a pretty big time zone difference. So they talk about navigating that too. And there's all these really lovely moments of figuring out, you know, how to feel connected even when you're not physically in the same place. So again, that's played again by Aiden Wayne. It me. Okay. Our next question is from Alexandra who says, this year I want to get back into big fantasy and paranormal books. Last year I read mostly romance since I finished the Throne of Glass series in very quick succession and need a break. I've read and liked Percy Jackson, Red Queen, Three Dark Crowns, and The Vampire Academy. Mostly, I had some issues with the way it ended. I've also read the first four books of Outlander, but I found that something I'd rather watch than read, along with Game of Thrones. I'll read just about anything. Okay, um, I picked Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons, which has a trigger warning for torture. There's a lot of torture. It's like a surprising amount of torture, <laughs> um, but I still enjoyed it, and I am very squeamish about that sort of thing, so I think you'll be okay. Um, and this feels like a kind of old school fantasy like there's dragons and demons and witches and shapes of shifters and prophecies and like a chosen one it's like the whole thing um but it never feels you know tropey or cliche like it feels very fresh so it's about a boy named kieran who lives in kind of the poor section of this you know kingdom he is an orphan who was raised by um, a single guy who, like, is, you know, is his dad. And he's raised to, in the kind of a, I don't even know what, like, a jolly criminal underworld, if that makes sense. Like, everyone's kind of kind-hearted, um, but they're also all going to pick your pocket. Um, and this is how he's raised, and he's, like, very happy with that. But then he is claimed completely against his will through a series of unfortunate events um, as the long-lost son of a uh, prince, a member of one of the high-ranking ruling families of this uh, world. And there are several ruling families in this world, and, like, the whole political system is set up with them checking and balancing each other and fighting each other for supremacy. There's also an emperor uh, who defends the realm against demons as they, you know, kind of try to come into the world. And Kieran is, like, not having it. He doesn't want to be the long-lost son of a treasonous dude uh, because the the family that he finds himself being claimed by is very cruel um, and uh, abusive. Also, you know, being royalty in this universe is very restrictive. Um, it also means that he's lost his, his family who he has grown up with. Uh, and as he gets more involved in what's going on, he realizes that there's, like, a, a conspiracy that he... And only he, for some reason, because it's prophesied, that's why, um, can can like do something about. So he very much comes out of the muck to save the world. It's that kind of story. And I'm like a sucker for that kind of thing. I love it. Um, it's written in a series of flashbacks. Like when the book opens, he's in prison and he's being guarded by this terrible shapeshifter who, when she kills, takes on the memories of everyone um, that she kills. So she like absorbs all the memories and she has killed a lot of people he cares about. So when it opens, she is like, giving him memories he doesn't want to hear. And like, that's how the psychological torture works. And so he is flashbacking to the beginning of the story and bringing you up to speed to how he got into jail um, with this like terrifying monster. Um, there is a sequel that just came out last year, I think. Uh, it's really, really fast paced, despite being a big, chunky beast of a book. And I think that you will like it. So that's The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons. 
I picked Master of Restless Shadows by Jin Hale, which also comes with just all of the trigger warnings. There's abuse and cruelty. There's torture. There's prejudice. There's racism. There's self-harm. There's discussion of rape. Like, it's a, it's a, it's not a happy world. But you mentioned Game of Thrones and Outlander and some other stuff that gets, like, pretty real. So I feel like probably it'll be fine. Um, and I, you know, I have a low tolerance for cruelty and this the way that this navigates it i think is very conscious and is not trying to exploit it like it's just like these characters have gone through a lot and are going through a lot and it's not there to be you know i don't know romanticized or sexualized or exploited in any way it's just sort of their reality so this is about it's so interesting this book it is the first of a series but it takes place in a world that has books that come before this. So you, you pick up here. I picked up here. This is the first book I've read by this author, but I'm dying to dive into the backlist because the world is so interesting. And some of these side characters who it becomes clear, like their stories have developed previous to now. Oh, it's so interesting. I really want to get in there. But the main character, Narcy, is like fresh out of, you know, medieval medical school, basically. And he is headed to the royal capital to, you know, be reunited with his mentor and fulfill this pledge and, you know, do like, you know, start his career and and work for uh, a royal person who needs a new doctor. And then the other character, Atreyu, which like, can we just have a moment for a character named Atreyu? <laughs> um, is a writer, a very like louche repu- reputation. He's a total rake. He's, you know, sleeps around. He writes scandalous poetry. You know, he has quite a reputation and he is attached to the court of this duke that Narcy is coming to be the doctor for. But what nobody knows is that like underneath his, you know, rakey exterior, Atreyu was actually a spy master as well. And Narcy sort of finds himself in the middle of this very complicated religious slash magical slash political situation. Like there's a missing fiance and there's a power grab for the throne and there's a secret cabal of like terrible, torturing, awful people who have bound other people magically to their will. And there's an assassin who's like can't control his own destiny, but is fighting in any ways that he can, but still, you know, doing terrible things for his unwilling master. Like, oh, it's really complicated and weird. And you meet characters who you're like, who, how, what are you going to be doing in like 10 pages? Because nobody stays still in this book. Like everybody is sort of moving around and showing new layers. And it's so interesting. And it's such a fascinating, diverse, like lived in, feels really real, but also very fantastical world. It's really immersive. And I think, you know, a lot of the things that you mentioned, like that's kind of the experiences. You're just like dumped into this fantasy world. And you're like, all right, here's the adventure. Like, what's going down? And yeah, I think it's really well done. I loved the romance between Narcy and Atreyu. There's also a secondary romance that I have even more feelings about, but it's like a major spoiler, so I will not say anything about it. And I just, I loved the magic. Like, I love the politics. I loved all of it. It's like a little creepy, spooky. It does get very violent, but again, totally redeems. It's totally worth it. So again, that's The Master of Restless Shadows by Jin Hale. 
And our last question is from Sybil, who says, I need recommendations by June 2020, if possible. I've decided to do the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge, and I'm struggling to find a book for the prompt, a book with a pun in the title. Here are my general criteria. No cozy mysteries, all caps. No male-female romance. Female-female or male-male is fine. Generally prefer nonfiction, lit fiction, contemporary fiction, historical fiction. Otherwise, just not the things I said. I'm just going to keep talking. So. This was a fun one to do research for, and just for the record, I picked Here's Looking at Euclid, a surprising yeah. <laughs> excursion through the astonishing world of math by Alex Bellows. I just love that title so much. Like, come on. <laughs> also, why are you making so many Casablanca references today? Oh, you're right. I did not. <laughs> Unintentional Casablanca references is my theme. Here you go. I'm not sorry. That's a great movie. Okay. Side note. Uh, so here's looking at Euclid, as you might expect, is about math, but it's like fun, facty, interesting things about math. And the reviews for this book, my library did, hold didn't come in in time for me to read any of it, but the reviews for this book are always like, I didn't know any of these things. It's so interesting. Also, this is hilarious. And I love the fact that Bellos is going around to like, he goes to India to interview a sage, you know, who was talking about the mathematical insights in Buddhism. And he goes to Japan to talk to the father of Sudoku. And he talks to, like, you know, this um, female mathematician who, like, did this other thing. And then, you know, these two brothers who are obsessed with figuring out all of the decimals of pi. Like, all of these fascinating things. Oh, yeah, there's a math professor who knits different dimensions. Like, what? Come on now. It sounds amazing. I think it would be really fun for a reading channel. Challenge. And it does, in fact, have an excellent pun in the title. So again, that's Here's Looking at Euclid by Alex Bellos. Okay, I picked The Pun Also Rises <laughs> by John Polak. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, so John Polak is a world pun champion, which is a thing. That's a that's a thing. I love that that's a thing. I know, right? And he was also a speechwriter for Clinton, the Clinton the first, Bill Clinton. This is a history of the pun and also kind of a um, thesis about how the the pun itself is partially responsible for the development of written language, which is freaking fascinating. There are also some like personal anecdotes in here about, you know, being a pun champion. Um, but for the most part, it is about how the pun changed spoken languages and also there's some really cool biological stuff in there about how like the brain processes language written and spoken um and how wordplay changes like what parts of the brain that you're using when you're when you're reading or talking um but and there's like evidence from pop culture it examines the pun over history but really i think that like the idea that we started writing things down so we could make jokes at each other and like make groany <laughs> dad jokes at each other specifically I love it. I have a lot of like, okay, but in real life, we developed written language so we could like keep inventory of our grain stores. But I prefer this, <laughs> this version of history better because it's more fun. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, if you like, not, this is one of those fun nonfiction books. It's like popular nonfiction that examines one really nerdy thing from a bunch of different fun angles. Uh, and that's one of my favorite kinds of uh, like genres. So that's the pun also rises. Let me give you the subtitle because it's really good. How the humble pun revolutionized language, changed history and made wordplay more than some antics by John Paul. <laughs> Subtitles are a whole art form. They I really think. are. So interesting. We've done like posts about super long subtitles and how those came to be that are really fascinating. Yes, yes. 
Ugh. Okay, F- fodder for another day. Thank you all for listening. As always, we super appreciate it. We also super appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, but there in particular, because it helps other people to find this show. And we do love to see the feedback. Thank you to today's sponsors for making the show possible. Amanda, where can people find you on social in the meantime? Um, On Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. And you can find me on Twitter as Jen IRL, that's Jen with two N's, IRL, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>